Have you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. Episode 71 of the Open Bar Talk podcast, the most official, dopest bartending podcast in the streets. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. You can go on all social media, find me at Jim Search. I make branding super easy. If you want to find this show, openbartalk at gmail.com. Hit us up there. Tell us how much you love the show. We'd love to hear from you. Rate, review, subscribe everywhere you find podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, underneath the trunk of your car, wherever the fuck you get it is where this podcast exists. Um, you know, also are on uh, Instagram where I open bar talk, uh, follow us there. We will most assuredly follow you back. And, you know, we're just uh, happy to have our bartending friends on from across the universe to talk about the wild shit that happens there. And now that we have all that uh, housekeeping shit out of the way, we can jump right in and I will introduce our guest. I'm very excited to have her on the show. Uh, You know, very funny comedian and has some wild stories that we're going to get into. Jess Rotondi, how are you? What's going on? I am good. How are you? Living it. You know, we were talking a little bit before the show, but we're in a COVID hellscape and uh, we're oh, yes. living life to the fullest. I actually was fairly close to getting a new bartending job like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I had like an anxiety attack right before I went for my second training session. And then like a few days later, I found out like five friends had had you know, had COVID from the new variant. And I'm like, I think I made the right decision in flaking out on this training. You know, it's just like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a college professor and I haven't been working so much, but I'm, I knew I was going to start working more in right. late January. And I was like, I could really use the money, but I don't want to get sick. And then, and also cause it's a, the bar is disorganized, but um, right. Anyway, I just saw I'd mentioned that cause it's a funny coincidence, but I think I made the right decision, especially since I don't even know if they're, making that much money there but um i feel like if they were making a lot of money it'd be one thing but it's like as you say i had an anxiety attack it's almost like maybe spidey senses were just tingling yeah i am a little bit psychic so i think i was getting these but then i was like am i just flaking out because i'm a flake and i'm like no this feels wrong and i like kept getting ready and i was like i don't want to go i was like really conflicted and and then yeah well, I'm glad you, uh, uh, who'd have thought, who'd have thought flaking out would maybe save your life. <laughs> um, so I did the right thing. Yeah. It's so good to be a flake. To, to no, inconsistency, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, which has save your life. Um, well, uh, again, so happy to have you, uh, on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the life, the life of bartending. So, um, let's jump in. Um, how did you get into bartending and what were the, some of those, what was the bar like the first bar, like in the first couple shifts? What was, what was that like? Um, so I had been a waitress at that point for a few years, which is much easier to break into, um, because you know, it's not as, it's not as glamorous as bartending. Um, but I always wanted to bartend. And I remember probably even my first restaurant, which was a pretty decent, nice restaurant. Um, not super fancy, but like moderately trendy kind of, um, talking to the bartenders, trying to learn a little bit about bartending. Um, and I think it was shortly after there, I took like a bartending course, which Mm. generally are, you know, pretty crappy, but it was a fairly cheap one. And I just wanted to get a sense of what was entailed. You use like Basically, I don't know. I'm sure other people have talked about this too. I don't know if anyone's done them, but you use like different colored water bottles that represent everything. It's not, you know, it's not, bartending is so much about muscle memory and just, just like stand up, kind of have to do it. So it's sort of like taking a stand up class is really the equivalent of taking a bartending class. You know, like it's helpful, but you really need to just start doing the open mics, you know? Um, So it was good, but it wasn't, you know, I, I, still was like, I think I know how to make these drinks. Um, and then I think, um, after being a waitress at a few different restaurants and having to, I think a little bit make my own drinks at, at one of the restaurants, um, I saw that there was a bartending gig 
for like a waitress, but like a fill-in bartender, or maybe it was like they wanted to give a couple of crappy lunch shifts. So they were like, you don't have to have that much bartending experience. Right. Like, like I'm like going to do that. Scaffolding into potentially yes. like a night yes. shift or whatever. Gotcha. Yes, exactly. And like you would cover night shifts or maybe get one night shift and then a few lunch shifts. Um, and ironically, that was at a restaurant that I live really close to now, but I just moved back to the area a couple of years ago. It's in, in Burham Hill by the Barclays Center. Um, it's a different restaurant now. Okay. It's a much cooler place now, but um, it was an Italian restaurant and I'm blanking out on the name. It's Atlantic something. So it's on Atlantic Avenue. Um, and I was there probably about a year and it was not the best money, not the best situation. Um, the manager, this girl who was like way younger than me was like kind of a bitch, but um she did teach me some good things. I learned some stuff from her. The, the hardest part that I learned very quickly about bartending when it's a slow place is I had a few regulars who would just sit there all day and just talk and talk and talk. And I literally had nothing else I could do except like maybe wash cups or sure. you know, wipe down menus. So I would have to be like listening and that was, that can be kind of painful. Um, but they would also give me a good amount of money, you know, like for what was good for me at the time. And, you know, um, were very nice. And I remember one older gentleman started buying me presents. I was like, this is getting weird, but okay. That's um, a slippery slope. That's a- I know. I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, thank you for this gift, I guess. Um, yes. Yeah, so thankfully I didn't stay there. Oh, there was also a shady musician who would play there and was hitting on me. who was older. So there was some weird stuff entailed, but I was learning about parts. I was kind of right. learning the ropes with the social end of bartending too, okay. which you know, dealing with regulars can be part of it. Um, especially when they're men or, you know, opposite sex, um, but men mostly um, and older men, I'd say. But from there, my, I knew my cousin, um, a fairly distant cousin of mine, but we're, you know, we've always been friendly. She's a little bit older. I knew she'd worked in a restaurant. I mean, a bar, a very popular bar in Midtown, in Midtown East, you know, the okay. primo, really great area of t- Midtown East, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'll get into when I talk about that. But I just on a, on kind of a whim, you know, now that I had that experience, I've been there maybe like nine months or so. I was like, do you know, you know, do you think your bar would be hiring anytime soon? Cause I knew she supposedly made really good money. I knew they had a roof, a roof bar, which at the time was fairly rare. Right. And I knew I'd, I'd heard like it could have like a huge line out the door and it would be really packed and stuff like that. So I wasn't sure, you know, what would be the odds. She's like, well, I can definitely get you like a cocktail waitressing job. And then probably from there you could work start your bartending. Way. And that's basically what happened. And I was there for years and that's where I had a lot of my drama go down, which I will get into. But um, so that yeah. was sort of how I, you know, went from like kind of bartending a little bit at this like mostly restaurant, mostly during the day to then going to cocktail waitressing, which very within a few months I was getting like a couple of shifts here and there bartending, which was, it was much more of a bar of a busy bar, very mm-hmm. different from the restaurant, just sitting around kind of like making right. drink here and there. But having that experience really helped me to jump into, you know, what was then often sometimes high volume work, not always, but like could be, you know. So now would, which, when you were uh, in the mix of it, which would you prefer? Like, would you, did you like the high volume or the slower pit? Like, obviously money's involved, but I'm just, just like in terms of energy, right? Because it's like some people thrive in like that fucking pressure cooker of just like, I got to make 50 drinks in three minutes versus like, oh, I can like get to know my person and then they'll leave me a monster tip, right? So like, what's, which, which is more your, which would you say is more is your speed? I definitely like being busier. I definitely like high volume. I mean, besides the fact that it's way easier that you don't have to like listen for three hours to someone's story and be like their therapist. Right. Um, and, you know, you are making good money. It is, I, you know, I think like probably a lot of comedians, I, I have ADD for sure. And it's, and it's so funny. I've talked about this with so many waitresses and bartenders. Um, when it's slower, it's like, it's harder to get into it. You often make more mistakes when you're really busy. You're just like, and that maybe that's an ADD thing. I don't know, but like just kind of get in the rhythm of it and sure. multitasking. I'm really generally good at that. So like making five drinks at once and then, you know, having to, you know, 
get the bunny in the cash register and having to, you know, close out cards and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes people would have to wait for sure. But, um, that's also part of the appeal. I think, I mean, I know it's not when you're a customer, you want to get your drink, but sort of, it's almost, you know, I mean, I'm not saying like the power trip of it, although that can be nice, but especially when you're dealing with like trashy bridge and tunnel and they're being obnoxious and you're like, you'll fucking wait till I'm ready. Um, when they're like, oh, excuse me. You're like, no, no, now I'm no. not going to serve you. And like, you have, you know, you have that power. Right. Um, but, but also just, um, you know, you, you, I, for me, I generally would work faster when I had more people. I, you know, it's like the adrenaline would kick in and I would just be in the zone, you know, especially mm-hmm. when I was bartending often, um, and having high volume often. I like the month, like I was saying before, the muscle memory of, you know, make, you know, shaking drinks, baking drinks, you know, making a lot of shots and stuff like that. And a lot of time really kind of just eyeing how much to make when someone's ordering like 10 shots and things like that. You just start to get good at that stuff, you know? Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, I think like, cause you don't have to think about it. I mean, obviously that's muscle memory, but it's just yeah. like, you just, it becomes instinctual to be like, all right, I'm going right. to knock out five, Very instinctual. five vodka sodas, two rum and Cokes and a whatever gin and tonic. And I'm good. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and also uh, though, I will, one other thing I'll say with the high volume, yeah. especially at the place I worked at is um, a lot of time when you work at like a slower restaurant or even sometimes a busier restaurant, but it's like a restaurant with a small staff you're kind of having to do a lot of your own bar backing. And I'm not like a prima donna. I don't mind that, but it can be really, it can really fuck with your rhythm when you're like doing so many drinks. You're like, now I have to go downstairs and grab these sodas or beers or it's at the bar I was talking about. There was like this team of bar backs that were like fucking on it. You know, it's like, just as you're finishing the bottle of vodka, they're like handing you another one, you know, and right. that, that added to just be able to like keep in the zone as opposed to like, now I got to like take inventory and like go downstairs and change the keg. And they, like that stuff can just be so annoying when you're so busy. It's hard to kind of, I don't know. It's just frustrating, you know? Well, um, and it's also nice to have great barbecues like doing the stuff for you. But of course, you know, they got a good amount of money because you're making a good amount of money. So it's like everybody's making, you know, decent money. Right. And it's like, it's kind of like that trade-off, right? Because it's like, if you are doing your own barbacking, you get all the money. Right. So you're doing twice the work. However, if you have someone who's barbacking, your job becomes easier, but now you have someone you have to cut in your money, which, exactly. you know, I mean, maybe it evens out. Who knows? I'm not a... Yeah. Usually not, when it's high volume, it, you know, it's worth it sure. to have to tip them out because you're, they're, they're allowing you to work faster and make more money essentially. But that's also because there's so many customers, you know? Right. Exactly. So, well, all right. Well, listen, uh, let's, uh, let's jump in. You said you had some wild shit happen uh, behind the bar and yeah. I'm very intrigued as to what this is. So tell me, what is, uh, what are some so of those this, moments? <clears throat> okay. So this, well, I have a lot of random bar moments that I know every bartender will relate to, but I also have a story that's kind of an epic story. I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but it's involving more the management and sexual harassment and this whole kind of epic story that developed not just me, but multiple women at this bar. So the bar that I was just talking about is the place. Um, and I've told this story a little bit, like storytelling stuff for a long time. I didn't talk about it. Now it's been a long time. So I, you know, I'm not like talking about it, you know, whatever, all over the place. But um, essentially one of the managers, like the night manager is, was, is, I mean, I don't talk to him anymore, but I'm sure he's the same way, was sort of probably fairly misogynistic. He was um, some sort of Middle Eastern. He might have been Egyptian. I don't remember, but um, he definitely would be weird with mostly with the women. He would like, if you made mistakes, he would kind of berate you, you know, especially with the waitresses. Um, I kind of like knew how to deal with him. He also was like pretty nice weeks. I didn't make a lot of mistakes, but especially when you were like newer and making stuff, he'd like call girls stupid. And then like, he also would... I know. And then like him, I think a couple of the old timey bartenders, mostly men who've been there a long time. I remember them making like comments here and there about um, girls, mostly waitresses, but probably bartenders like eating a lot of the fried food and like gaining weight while they're, cause you know, it was a bar. Mostly a lot of the food people would eat would be like chicken fingers or whatever. Sure. Um, and I, th- I don't know to this day if he did this as a big plan or it was sort of on the fly, but um I had, at that time I was working, I think two or three bar shifts and one lunch shift. 
And I just finished, it was a Friday, which would often be a really busy lunch shift because sure. people would get up early and stuff. And um, and the roof deck was open at that point. So it was really busy. So I'd had a really busy day and I was just like counting my money and like tired. And I remember him being like, can you come down to the office, which is like in the basement of this creepy place, which a lot of time that's where the office is, like a creepy basement. Sure, sure. And I, I go in and the other two managers are there, the general manager who was also kind of a shit show. He was like an ex-cop. So- Okay, so there was the night manager, right? The uh, the guy who was calling women stupid, and then there's the general manager who's yeah. above him. I and then, yes, sure I and then there's him. one woman manager who was the day manager who was just getting off. You know, Got we had worked it. together, but she was always kind of weird, and she of course had the least amount of say and all that stuff. Um, okay, and they the other two managers were kind of doing other things, so it was a very confusing situation. And I go in and I'm like, "What's going on?" You know, I've, I. Done my, I'd done everything. I would just finished my money. There wasn't really any reason for him to call me there. And he's like, can you get on this scale? And I was like, what? I thought it was a joke. And I was like, what? Oh, what? <laughs> and he's like, can you get on the scale? And I'm like, I don't understand. And I'm, you know, like ner- laughing nervously. This is many years ago too. I'm, you know, a lot younger. I would probably have handled it way differently now. You know, again, this is the first bar I'm working on making money. This is like a year in. I'm also in grad school for film and you know, they're really being accommodating with my schedule and, you know, it's the type of place, even just working a couple of shifts, you can make a good amount of money. So I didn't want to rock, rock the boat. And as I said, I was fairly young and my cousin was there full time and made a lot of money. Um, so I, I think I was like, what do you, what, what is this for? Like, what's going on? And he's like, we're making a website for the bartenders and we're going to put like the stats of the bartenders. Now, of course this sounds idiotic <laughs> and also like illegal maybe, but, right. um, I was like, okay. And like the other managers are kind of like laughing awkwardly and I'm like, all right. So I like get on it. And the whole thing is like kind of traumatizing, of course. And I like leave and I'm like, that was weird. Now I'm, I'm done, but a lot of my friends are working that night. So I text a bunch of them and tell them the story. And that like suddenly made me like, um, enemy number one with the night manager, by the way, because he quickly found out that I did that. And then he like did all this weird gaslighting shit, which I didn't know at the time was gaslighting. He was like, I thought we were friends. And why did you tell people like all this weird stuff? Wow. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, that I was the problem. Sure. Right. right, um, right. And he's like, I thought you were okay with it. And you could have told me you weren't. And all this like, again, gaslighting. Could you know? I, um, could you have though? Really? Like yeah. you could have been like, Hey, no. you know what? Manager. I heard girls who said that at the time, who knows what to believe, but he like, basically like pick them up and put them on or something. I mean, like it was a weird, a lot of things that were not proper happened. Um, but it became, it, you know, became a whole thing. I found out he even did that. I think to my cousin, you know, it was very bizarre because he was doing it to women who had been there forever, you know, and again, it's like, I don't know what made, what made him decide to do this. It was a strange, it almost started, I think as a prank, but then he was doing it but he did it to the majority of the women staff. And it was, you know, which was probably at the time, like, I don't know. Um, I think it was mostly just the bartenders, actually. Maybe right. a, a few of the waitresses who were, but there were also like probably like five, at least five girls like me that were mostly bartenders, but also waitress a little. Um, and it just became a whole thing. And again, I won't get into everything, but like essentially, um, two girls ended up taking out a lawsuit because of it. And one of them, her brother had been there for many years. And then it became this rift with the owner and the sure. owner would like make, nobody knew if they could trust me. I became the one who was like, can we trust her? Because I had talked, I was had warned it, was this on the Was this on the management side or the staff side or both? Both. So the management, wow. um, then this is where it gets like really weird. Then people started to get, because the staff, you know, they're making good money and that's part of the issue, what the problem was. If there wasn't good money involved. This wouldn't have, people sure. would have just quit and whatever. But, um, so the men are basically like making it clear they're not going to turn on the management, especially when the lawsuit happens, because, um, I think little by little we're getting, I think we're getting calls from the lawyers. I can't remember, but like there might be a lawsuit. We might have to testify. I don't know. There's all this stuff. Also, my cousin, this is where it gets complicated for me, because I had talked to the girl who took up the lawsuit and was contemplating joining it. I think my cousin either knew or heard about that. And then she guilt tripped me because she was friendly with the owner also because, of course, she didn't want to lose her job and lose all the money she was making. So that became a thing where she was like ignoring me and mean to me because I became, like I said, I sort of became, nobody knew if they could trust me. And then I, then to make matters worse, 
Um, this is where it sounds crazy, but this absolutely happened. <laughs> like this is um, where things go wild. <laughs> as, if every, even... as if everything before this was pretty chill vibes. <laughs> yeah, this is how insane the story is. All right. Um, people start recording each other. So oh, wow. The, so it's like Watergate. Yeah, it became like fucking Watergate. It was like, are we in a communist country? Like, what is happening? This one guy, and I was so trusting at the time. I still am way too trusting and naive, but I was way more even then. So it's like a slow shift. I'm working with this one guy who I thought we were friends and he totally is just walking me into it. It's just like, basically like, would you ever join the law, join that lawsuit? And like, what do you think about what happened? Like just totally like but, setting me up. But, but like loaded questions, just like loaded hey, questions. And I'm totally just like answering totally honestly. Now I did say I, I wasn't going to do it. And like, I would never want to get involved with it. It was too much drama. And also like, I know that would hurt things with my cousin. I said something like that, but where I went a little wrong was, um, God, how did I say it? I said something like, um, you know, especially since, uh, and this is also like one of the things that was sort of what made a lot of this, the bartenders not want to leave. A lot of bartenders gave a lot of free drinks there. And also, mm, okay. I think possibly, probably pocketed some money. And sure. it was one of these kind of like the management kind of turned their, their cheek a little bit. Now, I, I think I maybe even alluded that I think my cousin did that. That was a part of why she didn't want to leave. So not only did I say that, and then he's like, and then I said, but a lot of the staff does, especially a lot of the older guys who've been here. <laughs> right. And I and I think he may have said like, oh, really? Why do you think the management lets them or something? And I'm like, well, my cousin told me it's because the general manager steals money too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he like, records this, plays this for the general manager and the other managers. And then I be, really become enemy number one. Like the general manager despises me, but... He doesn't want to fire me because he doesn't want me to join the lawsuit. So they take all my shifts away except my Saturday night, which was my best night. But I was in this back room where like nobody really saw me. It was like, cause they, there was four different, there was the first floor bar, then the second floor bar, which had two rooms, this front room, and then this back room, which I right. was and then the roof. So the back room often had private parties and would also open up when it got really busy. Um, and so I usually I would only work for like three or four hours, maybe, maybe a little more. But, um, and be mostly really busy. And then I was just, so I just come in late, come in for a few hours and then like leave. And nope, like half the, most of the staff didn't talk to me. Like it got, again, it spread wow. like wildfire that I was like the bad one. Cause I talked about, I don't know what they, I think they heard that I had said people were stealing. So it just got like worse and worse and worse. Well, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it comes down to like the rumor mill, right? Like you said yes. one thing and then that. I mean, you let that yeah. into five people's hands. It's completely different. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. It was so crazy. And again, everybody was sort of watching their own ass. And sure. um, I won't, I won't keep talking about it because there's a lot of other stories. But I'll just say a few more things that happened. Um, at some point, the lawyer for the girls who had the lawsuit contacted me, and then the one of the girls in the lawsuit contacted me. She recorded me. By the way, this is Holy how everybody shit. was like. Everybody was trying to find out like what I was going to do. It was really bizarre. I looking back, I'm not to say it was like all about me, but somehow I became like the person nobody knew what I was going to do. It was very weird. Maybe because I also had evidence. I texted people it happened. I don't know. It was weird, but there was seemed to be this concern. Maybe also because I saw the other managers there and no one else had, but there seemed to be this concern about me in a way that I didn't feel like there was with other people. It was really weird. Um, uh, so I didn't find out. I found out about that. But I think in the recording to Kristen, the girl, one of the girls on the lawsuit, I said to her, everybody ignores me. They're so weird with me and they won't give me other shifts. And, and I was like, it's kind of annoying, but I make pretty good money and I don't want to leave. You know, I sort of right. felt like I was selling my soul, but I think I was saying this to her. And then that lawyer, the management heard that recording. I don't remember how, like the lawyer had to put that wow. in their evidence. And then their lawyer reached out to me, the, the bar lawyer. The bar lawyer. Okay. And she was like, how can we make this better for you kind of thing? Uh, and I was like, it was so weird. And I was like, well, I'd like some more shifts. Everyone, they basically <laughs> ignore me and don't talk to me and won't give me shifts. And then suddenly, now I didn't get great shifts, but I got a couple more shifts. And then I basically, um, in an act of like a lot of courage, because the general manager, like I said, was cold as fuck to me. Now, he wasn't really friendly with a lot of people, but, and he mostly spent time. Like exceptionally cold to you. 
it didn't, didn't acknowledge my presence. Like really was just making it clear. He didn't like me. Um, and, but it's like oddly a lot, like I said, there's just so much weird stuff. Like his wife would talk to me. And I think she was also trying to see if she could trust me. It was like all this weird stuff. But, um, I worked up the courage to go to the office one day. Cause again, I had like, I had my Saturday night and then I think I was working Sunday nights, which could be decent because of football. And then I think they gave me like a Monday night. So it was like not a great shift. And I was determined to get like one more shift on the roof as it was getting warmer because that's where you can make a good amount of money. Sure. And I like worked up the courage to basically say to him like, I, cause I think I kept asking the day manager and she kept saying like, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. And I, and then it, I think she was like, you're going to have to talk to Al, who's a general manager. So I go to the office and I'm like, I'd really like a rooftop shift you know, right. a, a good night. And I think, I, I think like, I don't remember everything that happened and it was very brief, but I just remember like, I think he was like wanting to like say so many things, but like knew he had to give it to me. Right. Of course he, I think he gave me like a Wednesday, but it was still like decent, but it was like, it was just a very awkward moment. There was like so much tension in the room. Of know? course. So, I mean, like you are like the whistleblower of this yeah. whole fucking yeah. whole yeah. scheme at one and, point, the girls, sorry, I mean, I just wanted to add this. At one point, the girls even who were taking the lawsuit out even went to like the news and it was on the news. So it was there. I mean, it was, oh, there was wow. a lot. It was written in a few different articles and a few different papers. I mean, there's a lot. It was very, it was a sort of big deal. And all the while I'm like in grad school and film school and I had so much going on, but it was like this weird thing I was dealing with. It was very bizarre. God damn. That is a fucking story. Yeah. And the shit. girls, the girls ended up getting, I think, like millions of dollars, by the way. But then one of them yeah. got cancer. So, I mean, like, I don't know. It just shows how <laughs> weird life is. Do you know I what like, I mean? Like, I like that that's like the epilogue. Like, where are they now? So-and-so uh, got money and then cancer. Uh, I'm not saying that's connected, but, you know, it's no. just life's just weird. It, um, it moves. And, and, you know, the bar ended up closing years later. The the manager, the general manager ended up buying it out after the, the owner sold it and then they didn't do that well. So that was also, I think, like karma and stuff. But um, my cousin and I are on better terms now, but it was a very tense year or two or three. I don't remember. It's a kind of on and off store thing situation going on for a while. God damn. Well, yeah. that, that is, um, that's, a, that's a lifetime movie. I know, uh, I know. Now, I, now I guess like, I, I'd be very curious as to what was the real like. Where was the information of weighing the bar, weighing the bartenders going? It was on a website, and That's, then like you, like me as customer, would like I guess look up this bar and be like, "Oh, she's overweight. I'm not going to the <laughs> like. I don't. I don't. Under, I mean, I understand it obviously. Of just like I'm a fucking scumbag, like, but right. like. But like as a customer, like what am I not going to go to this bar now? Like it just I don't I don't see the business side of it. No. I think they thought it would be like I don't know if they do this, but like I think maybe they do, or maybe they did back in the day. In like Sports Illustrator or something, do they like list the girls' stats? Sort of like that, like right, right. She's five okay. six and weighs blah blah blah. But like, and I think they I think he even said to me to like maybe make me feel better, whatever. Like. I don't know if it was this obvious, but it was like, check out bartenders.com or something like that's our website. But I think it was, or like the name of the bar and like bartenders.com. And I was like, what? I think I like went to it and it was like in progress or maybe there was like some lame one, but spoiler alert, the website never happened. You know, like I I had a feeling something told me that that wasn't going to take. I don't think, you know, not only was there, you know, a lot of backlash about the weighing and obviously all that stuff that started to happen, but I don't know if it was ever about the website. I think it was just his way of being like, and you're gaining weight. I'm going to make you feel bad or something. It was just like very strange. What's also, I think, wild to me about this entire story, right, is the sort of Game of Thrones vibe that must have been there. Because if everyone is recording recording everyone, then no one is having a genuine conversation, right? Because if I know that I'm recording you... I know that you're probably going to be recording me at some point. Right. So now, now at the I'm, time, like cell phones weren't at, like as, you know, smartphone stuff. Otherwise I would have done that now, but looking back, but um, I don't think everybody was, but I do think a lot of the old timers were trying to get information and pretending to be friends, friendly with me and stuff. So they could go back to the manager. So it really was very much like Game of Thrones. And looking also, back. 
And also, you know, the- I was like, I'm trying to think who's like one of the dumber, innocent characters, but I can't think of it. But I was that person. I was like, what's your face? Who's the daughter? Who's the like middle daughter who gets like raped? I was like her before she like has to like wise up. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like get, get hip to the game. Yeah. Now, now what's also interesting too, I think, in, a, in addition to that, right, is like when you're being like when you are trying to set someone up because it's not like in the movies right because i've been in enough situations where like a i've had to record people and i've at least had like the all right so i need to like get certain information but i have to make it look like we're having a regular conversation i can't imagine in this situation that that is happening where it's just like so what do you think about the current state of the bar do you think that the general manager is guilty or not guilty like, what? That's not a normal way to talk to someone. You know, I know. Like, I, know. You know I, mean? I, I don't. I, I'd wanted to save affair of trying to get information in those tapes. What that looked like, you know. God, if only I could hear them now. Although it would probably be like PTSD. But um, I think also one part I'll just add is there was often drinking involved. So like that day that that guy was taping me, I think it was like Memorial Day or something. And so, like, I think at some point we got busy, but we also had probably had longer shifts and, like, it was slow and we were, like, doing shots. That was also part of the appeal, but also part of the complexity of there's a lot of drinking. For a lot of the bartenders, there's a lot of drinking involved. Um, And so I think we were, like, doing shots and stuff. So, I I mean, he probably even was that obvious at times, but, like, I was just, like, drinking and then this, you know, having fun mode and just not thinking about it. But I think he was kind of leading me with questions like that. You know, do you like? You know, would you ever join the lawsuit? Or like, sure, I mean, I think he, right, he right. was. I think he was like a decent actor. I don't think he was an actor, but he faked it really well. But um, right. I think it was sort of like stuff like that, you know. And then part of it was also that I just like didn't shut the fuck up. That I just like I think cause <laughs> I, I think because I thought he was a friend and I was wanting. You know, I didn't have a lot of people that were being friendly to me there. So I think I was like venting a little bit. You know what I mean? And Which is perfect. That's perfect. Like just enough rope, right? To yes. Yes. yourself with information. Yeah. Or about And I think at the time, my cousin was being weird to me. So that was also part of me not having a lot of people talk about that too. So I was just going on and on. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds toxic as fuck. Uh, it was really the- toxic. That sounds wildly toxic. So, well, so that really, I, I'm, I'm curious then from there, like, what does, like, customer, like, do you have those stories of the customers, like, going nuts in here? Because Oh, I, that- I have tons of those stories, yeah. All right, well, let's let's jump in. Give me, give me one of those. Okay. So at that same bar, now keep in mind, like I said, I was in this back room, and it was Saturday nights. So I usually worked there. Um, there was many fights and brawls and there was a huge um a very uh well when i say huge it's not huge but uh, but multiple bouncers usually um very big men uh at least i think two or three of them were ex-cops okay but other not all of them were but most of them were large men um and usually they would have at least one or two on each floor and then mm-hmm. i maybe even extras downstairs um and Multiple times I saw, saw them being very rough with, with customers, by the way. And I think part of that was they got away with that because they were such whole other topic, but they were, a lot of them were ex-cops and friendly with the cops and stuff. And sure, also because sure. it was like the weekends and they would just be like, now you're going to, you know, you're going to the county. I, I you're sound so jail. You're basically going to jail. Yeah. And we'll be out till Monday. But um, I think they had multiple lawsuits with that. But anyway, whole other story. Um but one night there was a full on brawl in my room, like a full on brawl, the whole, like, like a movie, like started with a few people and then just like, and I think at the time there was, the room was pretty full and it was a right. pretty big room. So, um, probably at least 50 people. And it just, I don't think everybody was like punching each other, but it definitely became like multiple people, multiple fights. Even, I don't think like women were necessarily punching each other, but like there was just, a lot of fighting going on. And um, I think maybe someone hit another person with a beer bottle. It got really intense and I couldn't find one of the bouncers. And I, again, I'm alone in the room, so I can't really leave sure. too long. I think I asked the bar back to stay there, but it was so intense, but I knew I had to get a bouncer. So, and it was like a weird time. I think it was just starting to get really busy and maybe the bouncers were busy with other stuff. So I had to like 
it took me a little while to get somebody. Finally, I got one bouncer and then with his like headset, like called other bouncers. But sure, sure. for a few minutes, it was really scary. Um, now I have the bar protecting me, but still, I mean, when it's like that and so many people are drunk, you don't know what is going to happen, you know? Well, yeah. And I'm, you know, I had my tough bartender side, but it was still a little bit scary, especially because I was alone. I was the only bartender and the bouncers were nowhere in sight, you know, for God. a few minutes. Well, and that's the thing, right? As you were saying of just like, you have a bar between you and the fucking melee, but like, what's to say a bottle doesn't fly, a fucking right, you know, exactly. glass, exactly. knife, whatever uh, is, is in the mix, man. Well, how, so that's one thing. And then I have all other stuff with, you know, customers hitting on me. I I worked one thing that was really gross about that backroom in addition to everything else was a few times I had to work bachelor parties because, um, it was like the private lounge area. And I don't know if you know this, but when you bring in strippers to places, not a strip club, they can get full on naked. So I had to see a lot of stuff. I wish I I did. I did know that. (laughs) I've actually, I've, uh, I've been at a bar where a bachelor party happened. Like so. a lot of men have. It's like a little known secret. Um, yeah. And a couple of times I had to work uh, police um, bachelor parties, which were terrifying. Some of the most terrifying. Show. I mean, just so aggressive, so drunk, so aggressive with the girls. And then like super respectful to me. And I was like, you're gross. I just saw you do some really gross shit. Please don't talk to me ever again. <laughs> just I- that was really interesting. Um and then, of course, just had like regulars that would hit on me and, you know, or various customers that, you know, tried to kiss me and just, I mean, all sorts of stuff like that. I could give many stories about that stuff, as well as um, coworkers, not that bar, but another bar that would hit on me. And that was always interesting and complicated. But, uh, you know, wow. that's, it's not just me, obviously. It's a huge part of just bartending. And, you know, of course, I have big boobs and would often wear revealing clothes, but not like crazy. But but also like when there's alcohol involved and a lot of the staff's also drinking or, you know, that's not every, that's not always the reason. But that's part who'd of Who would have thought alcohol would be a uh, a precursor to a horrible decision that someone may or may not need to make? I would. I know I what? One, I, for one, am shocked in the four decades that I've walked the planet. Half of which have been spent drinking. Who'd have thought? Well, listen, <laughs> Jess. Thank you for bringing the fucking wild lifetime movie. I know. I'm uh, sorry if that. I didn't mean to take over just telling that story. I have many no. others. If you ever have me back, I'll tell more conventional ones because I have a lot more of those. But I just thought this well, one is a little bit unique, and maybe people would be curious to hear about it. Yeah. No. This look. I was. This is a compelling tale of. <laughs> of game of thrones taping of a faux website that never really came to be yes. just yes. a lot there's just a lot there that as listener you uh are going to enjoy and say wow that is <laughs> i can't believe that this is the life that i live in yes. well listen let's uh let's jump into our next segment which is yes. five questions for our guest now these are five questions that we ask every bartender who comes on the show about life as a bartender Okay. So question number one, what is the biggest misconception people have about being a bartender? What do you think? One thing that's complicated that maybe I think people, I could be wrong, but one thing I think maybe people have misconception about is buybacks. Um, Mm. Okay. Let's There's talk no like a standard rule. I generally have tried to work at bars that it's accept, so accepted and maybe even encouraged to do buybacks when people get a certain amount of drinks. But with the way things have changed, prices have changed, especially in the city, some places full on don't want you to do buybacks and are much are really strict of watching, literally watching every little drink you do and making sure the count's right and are very much making it clear you're not allowed to give anything away. You know, most places have uh, usually at least say you can do a little bit of buybacks and you make it on a, a tab and stuff like that. But um, it, there's definitely like a spectrum of how relaxed people are about that. So if you're ever at a bar where you think you should get a buyback, you've bought many drinks. I mean, maybe it's just that the bartender is an asshole and they suck, or it could be that the management's really strict. You know, it really depends on a lot of things. And sometimes newer bartenders maybe don't even understand right. the buyback things because managers aren't really clear with that. So 
that's just something to keep in mind. I generally try to work in places you can do buybacks and it's not only accepted, but encouraged with regulars and people who are getting a you know, decent amount of drinks. So those of you listening out there understand that there is not a solid, consistent metric across the bartending universe. Okay. Keep that in mind. All right. Question number two. What is the biggest tip you've ever received as a bartender? Cash wise. Well, when in that bar that I talked about that that big sports bar I was at for years, um, in that back room, I once a few times actually worked a Kentucky Derby party. Oh. And one of the guys won a lot of money. I, I don't remember the amount, but I remember it being it seemed like a good amount of money. Um and uh and it, he bragged about how much money. So of course I don't remember now, but it was a good amount of money. And I think can't remember for sure, but he maybe gave me a thousand dollars. I can't something maybe it was like eight or nine, but it was like around that. That was a rare time, but, um, and then I think that that group came back a few more times, but I think his winnings got less and less and he gave me less and less, but that, that night, I'm pretty sure it gave me somewhere between 800 and a thousand dollars. Um, and then some other times working like those bachelor parties and stuff, they, the guys would throw me a good amount of money, usually at least, you know, probably like two or $300, but, um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure the Kentucky Derby one was my biggest. God damn, a grand. That was rare. That was very rare. Sure, sure. I really didn't have things like that usually happen. Well, you got a good work if you can get it, man. All right. Question number three. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, this is going to be a tough one because you only get one answer. What's (laughs) your pet peeve of a customer? What is the one thing that Jess is behind the stick that you should not do as a customer? There's one that's very common, but I'm just trying to think because I know I have a few others. Um, Okay, so the one that I was thinking of, I'm not going to say, but it mostly involves girls who don't know what they want to drink and they say this very common line, like, just give me something sweet. So that's annoying, but like, I know how to handle that. One thing that's just annoying, especially when you're busy is what I think I talked about earlier is when people are like shaking their money at you or doing things Uh, like that, that like, you know, I get it. They want it. I totally get it. It's frustrating when you're waiting for a drink and the bartender is really busy, but that just like something about like shaking money or just anything that feels like kind of calling to you in this kind of obnoxious way, never going to, never going to help, never going to make the bartender that is that is number one. Do not, don't wave, don't wave the dollar bill, um, because we see you, right? As a bartender, yes. you see I that see you. Is. I know. I'm stressed out. I'm trying my best. Don't wave your money at me. And Don't also, stop making me. We we know what you want. We know what you're here yeah. for. I know what this is. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. You're not. This isn't. You're not getting your taxes. I know what this <laughs> is. I'm aware of what the what's at hand. All right. <laughs> Question number four. What is the one thing that you've learned from bartending? Doesn't have to be specific to bartending. Could be about life. Could be what is is there one thing in general that you could say that you've picked up from working in a bar? So I think that um, you know this is a this is definitely like a universal lesson, and it's not like I was always able to do this, but trying to understand that you're going to get to people as quickly as you can. And like, you don't have to be anxious about it. If you're really stressed and really busy, like almost like there's no point to get stressed out and anxious when you're doing the best you can. Yes. It sucks. You're, you know, you're 30 people deep. You have all these people that are waiting to get drinks and you're by yourself and you can feel guilty and stuff like that. But like, you're doing your best. You're going to get to it. So it's sort of just like, there's no point in stressing. You know what I mean? Like when you're really right. busy, you're doing the best you can. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't change. Yeah. It doesn't change the outcome. Like it's not going to make you perform better. It's mostly going to actually make you perform worse and right. then make you feel bad and stressed out. And that's just going to add to you. So it's much better when you're just in the zone, doing the best you can and like, know you're going to do the best you can and people have to wait. They have to wait, you know, like that's just reality of the situation. You can't feeling bad about it. It's not going to make it better. You know what I mean? And that is a, I mean, I think that is a very uh, transferable lesson to life of that. Like, I mean, what's that old saying that um, anxiety is paying interest on a debt that you may not owe? Like worrying about the worst case scenario, essentially. 
rather than just being in the moment and doing the best you can. You know, it's an ongoing life lesson that I think we're all hopefully learning little by little. See, folks, and that is what Open Bar Talk offers, okay? Not only do we have Lifetime Story-esque film play out, we also have jewels of wisdom that you should carry with you throughout your life. So let's right? just say that let's just say I'm doing the Lord's work uh, with each and every. <laughs> you episode. are. Oh, you totally are. Hundred percent. This is the podcast that you didn't know you need, but you do. Uh, oh my god! Seriously. Hundred percent. All right. Final question. What is your favorite drink? What is one drink that you enjoy? Not alcoholic or alcoholic. Doesn't matter. I want to know what is Jess enjoy to drink. I know it's like really popular now, so I was sort of debating if I wanted to say something a little bit less popular, but um, I really like a good old-fashioned. But um, I also love a great dirty martini, vodka dirty martini, especially like with certain types of vodka and um, just the right amount of olive juice, you know. Okay. Two, Two nice drinks for me. Um, we'll give you two. I've, I've tethered you to one. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> so question two, I think uh, we can give you old fashioned and dirty martini. We'll do, we can do that. Well, listen, uh, thank you for bringing uh, five, uh, five answers to the five questions that we have here today. Of course. Um, and we're now going to move into our final segment, which is called, what were you drinking? Now, this is part of the show where I read a Facebook post from my timeline, which you should know is incredibly messy to the point where I have to assume whoever posted this was very drunk because no sober person should volunteer this level of their life or information to the universe. So you, Jess, having worked in a bar, uh, know, uh, have, have more insight as to what someone could have been drinking when they've said what they said. So we need your help. We need your help in diagnosing what you think this person was drinking when they wrote what they wrote. All right. So here we go. I know and see and don't believe. I just don't say nothing to see if it's going to change or if I'm going to cut ties. What? Very clandestine. I will say that. Very passive aggressive as well. But what do you think this person was drinking when they said, I know and see and don't believe. I just don't say nothing to see if it's going to change or if I'm going to cut ties. I am going to um, actually say, oh, wait, one quick question. What can you, two quick questions. Can you tell me what gender and can you tell me what time of day that was posted? 100%. Uh, This is a guy. Um, And this was at 3.35 p.m. P.m.? Yes, this is p.m. Okay, so since it was during the day, I'm going to guess, oh, weekend or weekday? I don't. Unfortunately, there isn't. It's just the timestamp. And it's like a date, so I don't know the exact day. Um, If it was a weekend, I would have maybe guessed, um, even though it's hard to say for sure if a guy would do this, but like a cheap, like all-you-can-drink brunch kind of thing, maybe like a mimosa. But that's not what I'm going to guess. I am going to guess more of a drink that you could that's like maybe a little more acceptable to have during the day, especially if it's possibly warm out. Um, and also I'm really gonna, I really feel strongly like it could be a tequila based drink. Mm. Cause I feel like that often makes you a little bit more aggressive. Sure. Um, sure. It also can, it also acts more like a stimulant than any of the other um, liquor. So I am going to guess a, um, like a cheap, like uh, margarita, um, yeah with like the house you know the house tequila mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that he had a bunch of them and then he was like yeah i'm the fucking i'm doing this now <laughs> you need to know how i feel about this in the most yes, passive exactly way exactly so that i'm gonna get you and this is i also feel like this is also like i'm gonna get you to tell on yourself yes yes and, I and i'm really smart 
Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that tequila vibe is really, that's a big part of me feeling the tequila vibe. And, okay. and also probably cheap, cheap tequila. <laughs> Yeah, this is not. This is not. Well, top shelf. You don't have time. No. Yeah, you're, you're a very busy person. And uh, maybe even, maybe even a frozen margarita with a lot of sugar, you know, but possibly on the rocks. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. And we'd we'd have to ask follow up. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to have this conversation with that person. If so, it was a summer, I'd say frozen. But yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to leave that. We'll have to leave that to him. Only he knows what. <laughs> he, only he knows what type of margarita yeah. caused this yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Well, right. listen, Jess. Thank you so much for hanging with me. This has been a blast. Uh, this has been a uh, a journey we've gone on together. Um, that being said, if anybody wants me to make this into a lifetime film, I actually have a friend that works for a company that makes lifetime films, but um, I haven't pitched this one to her yet. But if anybody else wants to make this into a film, please reach out to me. I am a screenwriter as well. So <laughs> yes, make sure, uh, you know, you, you have to tell the story. You have to get as many ears and eyes on the story because you never know who somebody knows. So that being said, um, Jess, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here where people can find you? If you have anything uh, people should look at, please tell us now. Um, on social media, on um, Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Jesse Roro 13, J-E-S-S-I-E-R-O-R-O-1-3. And I have a new show um, called Vision Quest. That's a monthly that has some spirituality with comedy. And that is next. It's a, it's a Friday um, at um, Pete's Candy Store. And that next one is January 28th. And you can find Vision Quest on Facebook, uh, Facebook page. So come out to that uh, and go check her out, please. Uh, again, thank you again for hanging with us. This so has been very fun. Um, if you want to find this show again, uh, openbartalk at gmail.com, uh, openbartalk on Instagram, uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe, tell everybody you know about this podcast. Uh, you know, it's such a fun ride. Bartenders have lived some of the most batshit bonkers lives that I've ever heard and seen. And that is why I do this for you uh, to listen to and enjoy these stories. Um, and also uh, find me. I'm at Jim search on all social media, jimsearchcomedy.com. Uh, you know, I put my show dates up there when the world is not in a hellscape. Uh, you should definitely come see me do comedy. Um, it's fun. Uh, I promise you'll have a wonderful time. Uh, so that is, uh, that's going to be our show. Once again, just thank you so much for rocking with me. This has been very fun. And uh, also, listeners out there, make sure you put a water between each drink, wash your hands, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.